Hi and welcome to Newsreel with Joe and Neil. I'm Joe. And I'm Neil. And on this episode, we're going to discuss a pretty hot topic. White nationalism. Sharpen, take a breath. Okay, so first things first, this isn't actually a show about white nationalism in that it's a show about white nationalism in quotes. So we're not here, two white guys taking a side on white nationalism per se, because as we'll try to make the case in the next hour or so, it's largely a contrived, ridiculous, inapplicable concept to what's really going on out there. And yeah, okay, there, there've been a, there's been a host of incidents with screaming headlines, white nationalism, extremism, white, white this and that, white supremacy. The point is, as we'll make clear, I think that white nationalism slash white supremacy is tacked onto events, onto people, onto ideas, when that's beyond just being an inaccurate description of what the event or idea or person is trying to say or do by carrying out things, it covers up a much broader phenomenon that's going on. If you like, it's layered over what's really happening, which is, in the broader sense, a reemergence of a nationalist spirit globally. And it's not just in white countries, so the West... It's everywhere. Everywhere. Pakistan elects someone kind of Trump-like, not in the political mainstream, um, calls himself a nationalist. Uh, Mexico, same thing. Uh, someone who's, well, in his case, he's traditionally of the left, but whatever. He, he's a nationalist, and it upset the status quo. And highbrow publications made the comparison, even though it's ridiculous on the face of it, of um, AMLO in Mexico with Donald Trump. Um, obviously, there's been a series of electoral shocks all across the West. And, of course, Putin. Putin is... Ah, and Xi. So China as well. Is, is Xi Jinping a white nationalist? Well, of course he's not. It's, it's ridiculous. This argument's only working in the mainstream in the West at the moment because, well, it tells you something's afoot. It tells you there's a manipulation going on that's conflating extremist manifestations of, that have white nationalism attached to it with something else, something much broader and, and frankly, positive. Um, it's given this horrible, um, pejorative, negative association by tacking on this extreme racial uh, suggestion with it. Mm -hmm. nationalism is not a dirty word and that's and Trump's Trump recently actually burst that little bubble when he spoke at a rally um, declaring he was a nationalist and mm -hmm. uh, much to the shocking the phony shock it's not real shock it's phony emoting back in CNN studios about how racist and evil and uh, ancient that is it's not it's 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 simple, it's pragmatic, it is what it is. He was giving an objective description, really, to what he's come to represent these last few years. Yeah. There's there are various different levels as I see it to uh to the situation. Um obviously nationalism 
as you just said, is a is made a, a bad word. Nationalist is a bad word, but that's only very recently in recent history that, particularly in the last, you know, let's say three or four years or five years, basically that has really become uh, mainstream as a, as a bad word and a word to denounce people for. He's a nationalist, but like obviously in uh, there are many nationalist causes uh, throughout history that actually were predominantly leftist. You go back to the 20th century and pretty much ev- many, let's say many uh, movements or struggles for th- that the ordinary people took up against, let's say, the ruling classes, which is, you know, uh, absolutely a leftist, a lefty kind of ideology fighting against the ruling classes. It's communist, right? Uh, those struggles were defined as struggles for, generally speaking, struggles for national liberation. Mm-hmm. Ergo, ergo, all of those people involved in them, all of them lefties, many of them communists, were struggling for a nationalist cause. So it's absolute nonsense to take the word nationalist and say that it's, first of all, that it's a bad word or it's a bad thing per se, and secondly, that it's only the domain of the right. Obviously, nationalism... Uh, throughout history, on like I said, within recent history uh, of the last last century, let's say, it was actually predominantly a, a right wing, or sorry, a left wing uh, cause, <clears throat> or it was neither left nor right. It was simply <clears throat> ordinary people in a country struggling for liberation from some kind of often from some kind of foreign rule. So to call it left or right even is is, is complete nonsense, you know. Um, the other aspect to it is is that, on a broader scale, well, there's always been people who are more conservative, uh, and nationalism has 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 the connotation of being of people being um, kind of in group, focused on their in group. Uh, you can't really call what's a na- an American nationalist. They're not they're not nationalists in America because they're not trying to unite the nation. That's what nationalism means. It's like unite the nation. Put the nation first, unite the nation around a single cause, etc. That's obviously not what's happening in America today. Um, it's certain groups, and it's obviously it's put on on the conservative side. Therefore, it's kind of like an in-group of people. Let's say an in-group conservatives or Republican in-groups are the ones who are called nationalists. Um, so the the word is just meaningless, basically. That's why I don't like it. It has no um, it makes no sense from a historical uh, perspective. It, it, it doesn't. It, like with so many other words these days, they've changed the the mm. definition. The definition of the word has completely changed to the point that it makes no sense anymore. Yeah. Uh, it's just basically it's similar to the word fascist that has obviously reemerged as well, um, and it it simply means someone that you don't like. It's just a it's just a bad word. It's a slur that you use against someone that you don't like. If you happen to be if it happens to be appropriate or or convenient for you to use the term nationalist, if it's if it's if it's uh, fashionable to use that for for your cause against the other cause, then today that's it's it's a nationalist. Like for example, left wingers will call people nationalists because it's opposite to them supposedly. Uh, it obviously has connotation. It has it's linked with fascism, nationalism, fascism. Apparently, apparently they're they're exactly the same these days. Again, a change in the definition, uh, but that's because and and that obviously links back to Hitler uh, and the Nazis, right? They were nationalist. Yeah, as long as you include expansionists as well as nationalist. Which is, to me, seems to be. It depends again. It depends on your definition of the, or how you understand it. But nationalism and expansionism today seems to be seem to be two opposite words. 
you're a nationalist, you want an isolationist policy, you want to put your country first, you want to do the Trump's uh, America first, make America great again thing, which by definition means that you would tend to not focus so much on expansionism abroad. But obviously, uh, for anybody who has even a passing understanding of uh, or awareness of, of Nazi Germany, they would agree that the Nazis were expansionist. Just ask the Poles, for example. Um, so yeah, yeah it's, it's ridiculous. And But on a broader scale, in a broader sense, I think what's happening today, not just in America and around the world, like you were mentioning earlier on, is that uh, people for the past 15 years or so or more, what, it was 15 years now? No, actually it's 17 years since 9-11, since the war and terror, let's say, and everything that has come as a result of the 9-11 attacks on the US-led war on terror, that has created a lot of chaos in the world in many different ways, a lot of insecurity among many different people. Uh, and as a result of that generalized kind of chaos and a sense of insecurity among people, it's a very natural thing for many people to want to kind of close ranks effectively. Uh, it's, it's almost like an unconscious drive that people have when they feel that the world is a scary place uh, for whatever reason, that they close ranks with their in-group. Yeah. And that is what has given rise to, in many places, to this claim that this is nationalism. It's not. And it's not the, p the people who are feeling that, quote-unquote, nationalist urge to basically close ranks and identify with their in-group and their values within that group. Uh, it's, it's not their fault. It's a result, a natural response to the state of the world and the state of the world, the chaotic state of the world that we live in today is largely a result of, well, of people in, in positions of, of power in the major, particularly Western nations, creating that chaos as a result of their greed and desire to, uh, well, to... Yeah, and ironically, it's, it's a chaos that, that comes from a kind of a hyper-nationalism where the West is dominant, and we'll do whatever it takes to maintain it. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't articulate it so, but it's still it's it's imbued deeply in it. Obviously, you've got the um, America is an exceptional nation, manifest destiny. Yes, but we can do this because we can. You know, might makes right. We can yeah. intervene in all these countries, and it's bizarre because that obviously stems from. Well, but but. Uh, one nation over others. Well, by hyper-nationalism, you mean globalism. Right. And nationalism is a response to globalism, i.e. nationalism is, as is understood today, again, as is being touted today, is essentially isolationism. And it primarily is being used in, in, in the US under Trump, uh, but also in, in Western European countries. And it's a result of, um, it, it's a pushback against globalism. Where America was the world police is supposedly the world has been the world's policeman, you know, spreading its largesse around the world and costing a lot of money. And you know, it was Trump. Trump campaigned on that and and won the election based on that idea that listen, America is 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 focusing far too much on other people's problems. What about our problems? So that's that gets him accused of being isolationist, which it is, but only in the context of America having spent the past hundred years spreading itself as far and as wide as as possible around the world. So it's a reaction to globalism, effectively. Um, yeah. So it's, I mean, the point is that it's not—it's not a bad word. It's not—it's—it's it's not something that 
it's not anybody thinks that it's just like and, and the media tends wants to focus it down wants to miss all those details that we just pointed out uh, or to ignore all those details we pointed out and focus only on div, uh, divisive um, kind of headlines and language to well I mean at this point they do it so much they're either completely stupid or they act the mainstream media actually wants is doing someone's bidding maybe their own bidding or someone above them's bidding to actually divide people within America and to a lesser extent within Europe uh, to divide them against each other, mm -hmm. to create the conditions for a kind of a civil war uh, when it's completely unnecessary, it's completely irrational, and, it, and, to be, and, and even more so, it's not actually happening. You know, it's, right. someone is deliberately trying to, to foment ethnic, or not ethnic, a civil discord and strife within the US. That's the only conclusion at this point. The US intelligence community has the answer. Russia. <laughs> Which is kind of, it's bizarre how it's there, it's available for them to use, but they don't use it in every instance. Um, you see, normally in this situation, it's an external threat that is causing all of our chaos and, and our problems, right? And they will hit that now and again. We see Russia behind all this internal division. But they obviously can't say that all the time. Well, they forget it themselves in mm. the course of trying to explain why Trump bad and Trump supporters bad and what's wrong with them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of there as a nebulous explanation because it has to be. Because in the end, the only thing that can unite people, they hope, around the status quo is the threat of something external. Right. Because, you know, hammering on about grandmothers in Ohio who get together to bake cookies and try and raise money for Trump's campaign, it's not going to work. There needs to be behind that some malign foreign influence. So mm -hmm. the Russia is, is useful mm -hmm. there. It's, and the way it's all come together mm -hmm. is doubly useful in that it's applicable, if you like, uh, because they keep making comparisons with Putin's Russia He's a nationalist. Right. He's a white supremacist. And of course, it also serves their it also serves their geopolitical agenda, the kind of right. U.S. establishment's geopolitical war against Russia for yeah. their global dominance. So it's it's all kind of interconnected, you know, in, in that respect, you know. Yep. But it and it's kind of quite complex. But you can see the interconnections between uh, the demonization, you know, the the sowing divisions within well, sowing divisions in the U.S. There are obviously divisions in the U.S. that we just, as we just described, as a result of the state of the world and the chaos in the world, that people tend to kind of like close close ranks on their on their in groups, um, uh, and at the at the same time, you know they, they 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 like you said they want to blame, they either blame white nationalist groups in the U.S. for that, thereby exacerbating those. But the, of course, yes, there are divisions. It creates divisions, but it's natural, but they it, it can be managed. It should be managed, you know. People should understand that, you know, the world's a scary place. You know, immigrants and ISIS terror attacks and, and Muslim terror attacks over the past 15 years in the U.S. Have all, have all created a climate of fear and insecurity in the U.S., and people are going to react to that, you know, and they're going to close ranks. But they don't have to beat at each other's throats over it, you know what I mean? They can try and understand and really put the blame where it should be, which is on the people who have created this climate of fear and chaos over the past 16 or 17 years since 9-11 attacks. Uh, but they don't. Uh, the 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 powers that be don't want people to look towards the real source of that and to try and address that problem and stop that kind of chaos being sown by American the American establishment's policies. So instead, they 
go well let's divide them against each other let's you know divide and conquer type of thing let's 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 make this a fight between the american people rather than have the american people fight against us or recognize us as the kind of enemy the corruption in in the establishment you know mm -hmm. it's a story that's as old as old as time basically as mm -hmm. human civilization uh and now and again like you said they throw in the russia thing to further distract the population from themselves what better way to distract from uh, for a government to distract from its own corruption and its own fault by pointing to a foreign government you know in that way you, you tend to get the people on your side at the same time as you're dividing them against each other you're, you've got they've got a two-track method going on at the yeah. same time they're trying to divide each other divide the people against each other into factions but they're also trying to unite them uh in in, in, a, in a kind of weird kind of like uh kind of jingoism or or xenophobia towards the deep the the u.s establishment's geopolitical enemy on a broader global scale which is russia so they're pretty smart people in that respect at manipulating people and, and, and sending out particular uh, messages and ideas and infecting the minds of the people and trying to you know corral the people's thinking in various different ways you know but it's no one there's no one very few people no one in the u.s really today seems to be concerned about uh stopping or trying to stop this uh creeping uh social division but that said I don't think the vast, I don't think even a, a, a significant minority, there's a, that's a very small minority of people in the US who are actually mm -hmm. uh, taken with this idea of socialism. We have to go out and fight against the Nazis or fight against Antifa, fight against the left, fight against the right, and vice versa. I think there's very few people who actually think that that has to be done or who are actually engaging in that in any, or in any the, direct or, way. Or that seriously, the whites are the superior race. No. Like, it's a nonsense. It's such idea. a fringe issue and it it's it's so bizarre that in the feedback that comes through to the intelligentsia by the time they cotton on to something much later what i have in mind is the the pepe meme mm. when it was obviously vast majority of it was parody mm -hmm. it was satirical swipes obviously at ideological the left but mm. also at the right they were taking on it was a parody people but that in the in the telling of it at the at the level of writing the national narrative through the media and hitting everyone hard over the head with it, Pepe became a Nazi symbol. Yeah, a frog. <laughs> How the fuck? Pepe, no, the, Pepe it, the Nazi frog. So and so they took something that was a freaking four chan discussion board well, and turned it into it. a national issue. Issue. What the hell? Yeah. Um, I want to show something that uh, got me thinking about this today. Obviously, it's, it's going on nonstop. It's the New York Times today. Can you throw up that article, Scotty? Um, this is their this is their top article today. Actually, um, it's humongous, and we're not going to read it or anything. It's but a, it's basically yeah, it's New York Times magazine. New York Times magazine, and they have it on the on top cover. of their homepage. U.S. law enforcement fails to see the threat of white nationalism. Now they don't know how to stop it. I mean that's a that's a perfect example of what and I'm talking the, the about. The image is flicking by. There's Dylan Ruff, yeah. the killer of the, the, the black church two years ago. And then they've got neo Nazi types and then David Duke pops up mm. and then Antifa clashes or God knows what, some terrorist attack we don't know. And then bodies of well, someone's someone's funeral. Well, and then that that'll be it. The star of David there is obviously right. commemorating the, the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting the other mm -hmm. week. 
Yeah, well, the title, the, the, the headline there is ridiculous. Like, I mean, uh, it's a perfect example of what we're talking about here. Euro's law enforcement failed to see the threat of white nationalism. Now they don't know how to stop it. It's out of control, people. Yeah. It's gone live. Yeah. It's like, you know, get the oh. National Guard out. The neo-Nazis mm. are going to be rampaging across the US and, you know, killing all the Jews and the blacks and the immigrants and the Muslims yeah. and, and, what and it gay is, people. It's a huge, long article that basically rewrites recent history mm -hmm. to fit with what the angle is, namely, and you see the angle already just in the title, to see the threat of white nationalism. Now, just imagine white was blanked out. That would be the accurate actual headline. We fail to see the threat of nationalism, and now it's we've lost because politically the people are nationalized, resonating in positive civic ways with a community, a nationwide, not not ethnicity based. Although it will substantially be in white countries. This is one of the sick, manipulative things of this: that white nationalism is a dirty pejorative when it's all it is is an objective description of nationalism in majority white countries of course it's white nationalism as such mm -hmm. it's, it's such a mind literally fact, you know well what's amazing to me is that is that the culture that's happened that the, the the meme essentially that's been spread by the media that you know anti-nationalism meme in the u.s is bizarre that how quickly it has taken hold because for me for, for like forever not being american but knowing about america and understanding that this is the general perception of people outside of america and i, I assume people inside america as well but foreigners have always viewed America as this country where it was full of people who were super nationalistic. USA, USA, you know, flying the flag. I mean, look at America, flags on every doorstep, like of every color and creed, all fly the American flag, love their country. America's the greatest country on the earth. I mean, all of those, all of those ideas about America were all the definition of strong nationalistic sentiment among the vast majority of the population. And that has been what America has always been about up until a couple of years ago. And suddenly now it's evil. And the media, every like the the the, the most vocal media uh, that get most of the most of the airtime are the ones who are denouncing it and decrying it as if to say this is not what America was ever about. And I'm like, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was up until a couple of years ago. Forever. I think... and, and not only was it is that my opinion, but that's what every single kind of article and newspaper, uh, you know, headline or whatever over the past sixty, seventy, eighty, ninety, hundred years was conveying about America to the rest of the world. Yeah. America is great. America is the best. We love America. All the American people, super nationalistic, love America. It's great. America, 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 America. You know? I think and they, it's like, they thought that all that was corralled within a safe word. And the safe word in the United States is patriotism. Same thing. I know it's the same thing, but... They think that they have they, that these are separate things. So the nationalism now in this context, when Trump's using it, is something new, new but old that's creeping back up from what? the dregs of society. How nutty do you have to be to say patriotism and nothing to do with nationalism? They're almost interchangeable, patriotism and nationalism. Well, they are basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, could, you could you could use either word to say the same thing. Mm -hmm. I know. So how? So what, what? What is the deal here? Is this because this, different views of America? That's why I think is the deep state in the U.S. establishment, basically the American exceptionalists, the, the 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 expansionist Americans who were always behind the scenes, who were using, who up until a certain, up until a few years ago, used American patriotism and nationalism to spread Americanism or Pax Americana around the world. How great we are! How wonderful we are! We've got you know, and and a nationalist sentiment amongst the vast majority of Americans was was useful for that. You know. But 
now for now because of Trump, they've had to totally turn it around because Trump has taken back the idea of nationalism and patriotism and said, no, it's actually isolationist. Mm-hmm. It's put Americans first. Stop going around the world and wasting American tax dollars on aid programs, you know, to, to overthrow governments or mm-hmm. to infiltrate other countries and get American corporations there, which basically ultimately just drain the American treasury. Yeah. treasury. Uh, that's what Trump's saying. So they've had to turn around and start to demonize American patriotism and nationalism because it's no longer under Trump being used to service American expansionism. And that's what the people at the top of the pyramid in the US want. They want to control, as they always have done, want to control the world. Not always have done, but certainly in, increasingly over the past century have increasingly wanted to control as much of the world as possible. Mm-hmm. So now America is about, it's not about nationalism and patriotism, it's about diversity. It's about, you know, so they think they can do the same kind of thing, you know, where we can still spread American influence around the world under the guise of diversity. Because, like, how are we going to get all the diverse and ethnicities human and, and population to come to America if we don't go out there and spread the good word of America under a lefty paradigm now of, you know, anti, anti-nationalistic, you know? Because, yeah. of course, yeah, but it's weird, you know. How did America grow over the past century as this really super patriotic country filled with, you know, with 75, 80% white people? How did it turn into a multicultural, how did it survive as a flourishing multicultural environment when it was full of white nationalist patriots? Surely they should have been kicking all the the blacks and the Jews and the immigrants out over the past hundred years under, I mean, how does that, how does those two things coexist? The point is they can coexist and have coexisted. America has been a very patriotic nationalistic country and at the same time, a happily multicultural ethnic melting pot. I, I think, but now they're saying it's, it's not possible anymore. It, what it is, what it is, it's we see a delayed, a delayed reaction, change at the level at the highest levels of narrative production. The people who write the articles, who write the think tank papers, the intelligentsia, it's kind of delayed reaction. So back then, the United States was seen as by everyone and proudly, you know. Put, put its colors to the mast as, let's say, center-right, capitalist, capitalism good, communism, socialism bad. Right. And the, the, the anti, any, uh, not any anti, anti-imperialist, that's how they were portrayed, but any country then, we're coming out of the, this is the post-colonial era, so after World War II, all these countries wanted their independence from the previous European empires, right. including some American territories. So, they want their the the avenue of discourse that was available to them to use was largely positioned from a left rhetoric. So, th- although they didn't they didn't explicitly go out of their way, some of them at any way, to say we're Marxists and we're we want a revolution to overthrow the capitalist status quo. they what they were saying they wanted was independence, nationalism. Who was saying that? All these, all these in countries, other countries in African, not, Asia, former colonial countries, Latin America, yeah, and the powers that be, largely centered on the U.S., had to counterattack by saying that they were all commies, right. lefties, yeah. and they were going to undo the good deeds of capitalism, right, and uh, the 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 great progress under liberal democracy that was blah 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 blah. So the the, the they were all pejoratively attacked as being lefty loonies, right. when essentially they were nationalists, right. No, That's what here's, saying, what, yeah. here's what I get to where there's a, a latent, a delayed reaction. The intelligentsia 
over a couple of generations adapts its discourse, but underlying it wants to do the same thing, impose and maintain the Pax Americana. Oh, but all the world likes lefty stuff and, you know, is anti-aggression, anti-war, anti-imperialist. So they turn around and they develop this kind of humanitarian intervention, mm. right to protect because the development of human, human rights. rights. We're yeah. bombing you because you, uh, we're bombing you because we want your women to have the vote. Mm. All these kinds of things. So it was a kind of a shift. Okay, so this is what the world. It's such expects. a shifting narrative then, right? To send service to the same agenda, exactly. which is domination of, of an, an American exceptionalism, an American. So there's no change, essential change to the status quo globally. So, well, that means, what does that mean for all those countries then that want independence or mm -hmm. an, a genuine national government that actually, you know, invests the hard-earned resources and labor of their country back into their own country instead of off to Wall Street or London, wherever. Now, the way that's open for them is largely a right-based rhetoric of tr tr our own cultural values, our traditional values. Um, but that's what it always want, was. It's what it always was, but it's just a kind of a, sh it's a shifting thing at the surface, left, mm. now right, but underlying it is the same essential thing. Yeah. So nothing has really changed, but it's just a narrative, and that's what we keep saying, is that the media is putting forward a bullshit narrative that's designed to inflame kind of people's, you know, emotions and, and, and get them worked up uh, to create the appearance that they're, that they're you know, that, that they're on different sides. It's like trying to convince as many people as possible that they are divided against each other. They're on diametrically opposed different sides. Like ordinary people in America, for example, are on one side of the fence on the other, and there's never the twain shall meet, shall meet type thing. Uh, and that's not true at all. I mean, obviously, there are differences in people, as we've talked about before, in terms of uh, their kind of uh, the, way, the way they see the world, their kind of taste buds, uh, as we've mentioned before. Um, but none of those differences are so great that people can't, as they have, generally speaking, always done, found kind of common ground to stand on. So someone, like I keep coming back to this point, that someone is trying to divide the people against against each other. Yeah. Against themselves. And, and what they have to refer to are a string of atrocities, um, mass shootings, uh, and the, the mail bomber guy, and then kind of these these soundbite political manifestos, statements that they allegedly make as they're carrying it out or to police after that are just gold for, for buttressing mm -hmm. this narrative, you know, that, that white nationalism is, is metastasizing, as the New York Times put it today. Um, Robert Bowers, the guy who shot up the synagogue, uh, supposedly tells the police, they, the Jews, are committing genocide to my people. The this the guy the mail bomber guy. He's a white nationalist too, but he's not. He's actually of Native American descent. Uh, he even doesn't really look like he doesn't look like a wasp anyway. Um, there was Charlottesville last year um, after the mm -hmm. that weird thing with some obvious Cointel Pro going on there with Antifa up against a bunch of. Unite the right torch, rallies, which was created holding. in 2016. I mean, it came out of the woodwork. Like, where yeah. did they come from? And everyone went, look at all the Nazis in our country. And we were screaming back at you. <laughs> These are point zero 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 zero. There's no national support for this. 
stop falling for the, the for the the they're trying to lure you into thinking this is a 50 50 split in the population mm. it, it doesn't exist they want to make it exist and it will grow some legs but it will never become an actual no. honest to god split down the middle of the country um but there were earlier signs as well. Dylan Roof in 2015, that was a kid who looked like a trailer kid who goes in and shoots up a black church. Had his head messed with. In Charleston. Well, put up, put up that um, other article just to move in, because I know there's a big long list of these kind of white. Put up that one from The Guardian, Scotty, will you? That article from, it's from last year, I think, whatever, a few years ago, but it uh, serves, the, uh, serves our purposes here. Government agents directly involved in most high-profile U.S. terror plots. Now, that, Speaks, mm. That speaks directly to the uh, Muslim terror plots that have been going on since 9-11 in the US. Uh, and most people most people know, I think, not have any sense, know that, uh, are aware of that information already, uh, and know that um, a lot of those terror plots were designed to create, uh, well, the details of them are that, you know, the FBI basically would find some vulnerable mm-hmm. guy, usually some kind of low IQ guy and... Uh, they would use their informants to pretend they were members of Al-Qaeda or ISIS or something and go down and talk to the guy and say, hey, you want to join Al-Qaeda? You want to get some guns and blow up the... Blow up, Sears uh, Tower. Sears Tower, maybe? Or that you want to blow up uh, anything? And the guy's like, oh, yeah. Well, the guy's like, yeah, I would, but uh, I don't have any money. Hey, we've got money. You want some money? Uh, here's a gun or here's a bomb. You want to go and do it? Do you? Do you? Go on. Here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And will you swear an oath to Al-Qaeda? So record him doing all this stuff. And then when he goes down with his fake bomb, you know, from Toys R Us, given to him by the FBI, uh, to, to, to do the bombing, they pick him up and say, uh, gotcha, you know, yeah. uh, terror plot exposed. And it's complete nonsense, yeah. you know. Um, and that's pretty much a template for, for, I mean, you can apply that then to, I mean, you, any reasonable person would assume that's, if that's going on with Islamic terror plots, then it's also going on yeah. with white nationalist kind of shootings yeah. and attacks. These people can have their heads messed with. I mean, there's a, anybody who knows what COINTELPRO is knows that that's pretty much, I mean, that's, COINTELPRO goes back to the 60s and 70s or even beforehand in the US where the FBI was infiltrating various different groups and making them do things because to, 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 they were a threat to national security. They decided they didn't like these people for political reasons or whatever, and they would make them look bad by by setting them up to carry out, uh, put them in bad situations, basically, make them look like they were a bunch of terrorists. I mean, so that, that's bread and butter for the FBI and other intelligences in the US. So you apply exactly the same thing to these kind of like, this list that is in the Washington Post article, or Washington Times Magazine article that we showed there a minute ago, uh, this long list of supposed white extremist uh, attacks over the past, you know, whatever it is, since 2008, past 10 years, you apply the same COINTELPRO FBI manipulation tactics to a lot of those and you realise that, uh, yeah, somebody's probably uh, in, in, in position to power in the US and intelligence agencies are deliberately creating these kind of uh, events so that the New York Times magazine can then write a big long article about them and say, see all the white nationalist terrorism that's been going on in the past 10 years? It's out of control, people. Um and and but and that's not to say that it's all totally manipulated. Again, no. we go back to what we said beforehand, which is that uh, there's been a, cl- a climate of insecurity and fear has been created in the U.S. and in other Western European countries, in particular, uh, well, other countries around the world, in fact. But as a result of 9/11 and the U.S.-led uh, war on terror, I mean, after 9/11, a lot of people in the U.S. 
were out to get the Muslims. They didn't like Muslims. There was a lot of anti. There was a lot of actually in that list they put down a bunch of. Uh, I think they went back to nine eleven or post nine eleven at the very end of their list of, uh, or maybe it's not in the uh, in the article. It's actually in a list of terror, uh, white domestic terrorism, not white domestic terrorism, but domestic terrorism mm -hmm. in the U.S. since nine eleven, and they include at the very beginning the many attacks against people that happened immediately after nine eleven by ordinary Americans who went out to get Muslims for knocking down our buildings, right? So that continued on with the war on terror and the invasion of Iraq, there was a demonization of Muslims. So what do you expect? What, what do you expect if, if uh, in, in such a climate uh, when people go out and uh, like sh shoot up a mosque or, or, or attack Muslims or whatever? And, you know, so, so there, there is a climate that's created by the powers that be that, uh, that work people up and, and will create a situation where you, at least at the very least, we have a lot of material in terms of ordinary people who can be easily manipulated by intelligence agencies to going and carrying out an attack against a Jewish synagogue or attack against a, a Muslim mosque or uh, any number of other, other types of attacks, you know? I'm going to show something else now um, from quartz.com. Scotty, have you got this one? Yeah. There, that, that was a terror headline. Terrorism is surging in the U.S., fueled by right-wing ideologies. And they, I was wondering about. They have some objective data. Um, they cite this and another article. They they cite um, tiki torches. Look at all the tiki torches. I think they they cite some global terrorist database. If we just look at the first couple of paragraphs here, terrorism is in retreat globally. Attacks fell from around 17,000 in 2014 to about 11,000 last year, but not in the U.S. In the U.S. there's been a surge in terrorism, and I'm not sure what they're defining exactly as terrorism, but um, anyway, the trend is in reverse, and then they have a little chart there to show you terrorist attacks in the United States are going up. And there's 2015 there towards the right of the bar chart. I was wondering about this because it struck me this summer, I think it's still the case, that so far in 2018, there has not been a single, beyond the death of a couple of people, somewhere in, in southern France actually, there's not been a ISIS slash Al-Qaeda type blamed on Muslim terror attack anywhere in the West mm. so far this year. There's been crickets. But there's a lot of stuff still happening. You know, obviously there's the recent thing in the United States with the man and his mail bombs. And, yeah, um, keep going down there. It says most attacks in 2017 were thought to be motivated by right-leaning ideologies. But it ends up that out of 65 incidents, 37 were tied to racist, anti-Muslim, homophobic, anti-Semitic, fascist, anti-government or xenophobic motivation which that's, that's kind of covers, so is that covers all, everything no is that all right-leaning racist anti-muslim homophobic anti-semitic okay fascist well a fascism they're throwing that word around they don't i don't think they know it means what they think it means um anti-government hang on a minute right is that not lefty anti-government i mean this is the problem with these, with these terms it's ridiculous there's something else going on here you know what i mean uh where they're trying to create the impression of 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 what we're talking about basically here, which is white nationalist rising, you know, in the U.S. when it's complete and utter horseshit. Uh, Quartz published that in August last month. No, 
yes, two months ago. So soon afterwards, the British did the same. Um, I have an independent article from mid-September. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was it. Yes, this one. You scroll down there for the headline. Number of white people arrested for terror offenses outstrip any other single ethnic group. And that was the first time since 2001. That's in the do, UK. Do you realize how crazy it is that within, like, literally almost probably about the past two years, maybe at most, terrorism has gone from being Muslim terrorism? It still is, a little. No, but not according to that headline. Gone. Yeah. That's what I mean, not according to that headline. Well, according the, to that headline, the, in the prisons, the majority are still. Um, I know, but that, that, that Muslim those, those are all, UK. Those are all details. Those are all details and facts that that are are, are relevant to, <laughs> the headline to, to newspaper headlines and what right. to, to what they want people to believe, which is what they say. There, the number of white people arrested for terror offences outstrip any other single ethnic group. The point being, what people are being told is that now, white is a problem. After seventeen years of being told that Muslims, Muslims, sorry for. Is that a bad word for Muslims? Muzzies? Why anyway. do Muzzies, come on, equal opportunities. All right, I can call them Muzzies. That Muzzies are, are the, this, that's where all of the terrorism comes from. It comes from Islam in, in, in the Western world. And now it's uh, all change. Next up, white terrorism. In fact, we're already there. It's outstripped the Muslims. And it's like, when, when did this happen? Who, wh- how, what, Very recently. When? This is going on all right now. All of a sudden. Don't this you have to have a build-up for that kind of thing? Or was it just pre-made, ready to be launched? Like, pull back the curtain, boom, there you go. White, mo- white terrorism. Government policy is catching up. Now, this is going on a while. It's obviously building up. And now I want to show you the next article from The Guardian, published last week. Um, MI5. Is it one about MI5? Uh, I've got yeah. two about MI5. Take the over. one you're on now. MI5 provides... Okay. No. No, excuse me. That's next. The first one. Yeah, that one. This is the last week, MI5 to take over in fight against rise of UK right-wing extremism. So this is policy, government policy catching up with this new market, in quotes, for domestic, or more importantly, the way they're spinning it. Well, what, ha- what, happens, what happens when MI5, British intelligence, takes over a fight against the rise of some kind of extremism or terrorism? It actually increases because they start perpetrating it. Exactly. I mean that that that's historically what has happened. Um, I mean I know I know that for a fact from from personal experience that the MI5 in Northern Ireland when they got their when they became involved in that conflict suddenly the the number of of attacks and shootings and stuff skyrocketed because they basically wanted it to happen. MI5 is to take the lead in combating. Scroll down to the third paragraph, short one there. The decision means that extreme right wing activity, which is another. It's synonymous in the current um, dominant narrative with white nationalism. Will become will now be officially designated as posing a major threat to national security. Hmm. Now, th- this is interesting because this isn't just a shift in, like especially in the UK's case. The UK kind of transitioned almost seamlessly from three decades of, sorry, we need emergency measures because of those Irish terrorists to, sorry, we need emergency measures because of those Muslim terrorists, to, sorry, we need emergency measures because, oh, actually, it's because of you. Because of white terrorism. But that's, that's, that's an interesting change. So terrorism, now, terrorism, terrorism, terrorism. Now, now it's so broad. Well, it's all of you. Mm. All of you under the watchful eye of us. Yeah. You're all potential terrorists. But that's, that's a real mind job, like, because 
I mean, we've, we've mentioned this before, but and I mentioned it kind of more or less uh, earlier in the show here that uh, for so for seventeen years, the media and the government terrorize themselves, terrorize, uh, terrorize the people, and the media programs the people with you know repeatedly, almost you know every day in some way or other, and then major with major terror attacks by Muslims, etc. Program the people, and of course they're 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 waging a, a a war on effectively what everybody understands to be Muslim terrorism. So for seventeen years, you're waging a full scale war on Muslim terrorism. Well, you start off with the nine eleven attacks, spectacular attacks, leaving no doubt Muslims are evil. Then you start, then you launch a war, a worldwide war on Muslims, effectively on Muslim terrorism, because Muslims are Muslim is synonymous with terrorism, and you tell people for seventeen years that's the case, and then. As part of your war on terrorism, which is a war of conquest and, and expansion, you bomb a bunch of Muslim countries and create a, ma- an, a migrant flow, a refugee flow from those countries into European and American Amer- European countries in America. Then, when people that you've been programming with the idea that Muslims are terrorists, when they respond to this influx of Muslims from these countries that you've been bombing, when people respond to that by saying "No effing way, get them out," you say, "You freaking racist." You terrorist. How dare you? You're and not just race. You're the terrorist now. Yeah. For not allowing the terrorists, as far which is what the people understand them to be, into your country. I mean, how, that's a serious mind job. Like, I know. You're a terrorist for not allowing the terrorists into your country. Uh, it, and it's no. Who's wonder, not a terrorist, Mister Government? When it's spelled out like that, it's no wonder that people uh, see the hidden hand, but see see agency in it. And of course, then they get attacked. Oh God, the crazy tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorists for daring to suggest that. But when you spell it out in, in, in a broad sweep, it took a generation, but there is a crazy manipulation going right. on. Well, it's not necessarily being done consciously. It's just one no, thing well, feeds into the next. Well, you know, I don't even have to call it conspiracy theory. I don't have to say that it's some, there's a hidden hand behind it, blah, 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 doing this. I can just say you cannot... You cannot disagree with me that things are massively effed up and there's massive mismanagement at the level of government when you have that kind of situation that I just described. Yeah. Where people are being called terrorists for not letting terrorists into their country. Which is breeding actual nationalism, a kind of a real... Which is probably the only genuine response, even yeah. though it's a manipulated response and we don't support the, the, the kind of nationalist uh, response, you know, to to our, our xenophobia, the rise of xenophobic ideas and uh, anti-immigrant and anti-other uh, sentiment within Western Western countries. We don't agree with that, but we're not going to blame the people for having those feelings and those ideas when they have been propagandized against for seventeen years in the most brutal way, i.e., by blowing up, you know, shopping centers, cinemas. You know, mass shootings, slaughtering them en masse in concert halls in France, like in the Bataclan. Uh, we're not going to blame the people because they've basically been massively trauma-based programmed to 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 believe. And as far as they're concerned, it's true because they see, they see the dead bodies, they see the, the the people slaughtered in the street, they see the media saying these are Muslims. And when they see the Muslims then being led into their country, I'm not going to blame the people for saying, "Hang on, an effing minute, we're not doing that." And then to turn around and call them racist for it, and and to just last week, um, Anjem Chudari or Chudri, um, renowned um, radical mm. Wahhabi Islamic in the UK cleric in the UK was released from prison. Mm. 
Um, he's, I mean, he's linked with so many things that is is probably ridiculous. But I don't think there's any doubt that he is connected with some uh, criminal activities, not least, not least inciting impressionable young Muslims in the UK to join terrorist groups, but also raising funding. Right. And going back to the 90s, the yeah. Bosnian War, this guy is up to his neck in it. Um, at one point a few years ago, it was he was outed basically as British intelligence. Um, that's not a secret anymore. But last it. week, he was let out of prison. And people already know that he's tainted by association as an informant, a high-level informant of the British, of MI5. Mm-hmm. And they let him out. Mm. What are they going to think when he's allowed to go free, but they're going to arrest somebody for wanting to speak about wanting, nationalism? Or wanting him back in prison. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a... And it's, it's crazy. And like you mentioned, MI5, this isn't just, you know... Um, this isn't this is this isn't a small announcement. MI five taking on um basically basically opening its box to any and everyone who dissents with the government. Yeah. What do you can being be? a potential terrorist yeah. or certainly a, a an extreme a white extremist. Right. This is the same MI five that also in the last couple of weeks uh, it was revealed that Revealed. I mean, it's, it's publicly acknowledged. That's what's interesting. We know it. You've lived it. We know it, though, that MI5 operates under a special government policy called Third Direction, which means that it has full impunity to engage in criminal acts. They can kill people. Not least fomenting, actually creating extremist cells. As a way to see what happens. See what to happens. try and bait the actual extremists out of their holes. That's how you do it. But it's what if there are no extremists in their holes, but you create a, a kind of terror group or an extremist group on the premise that, well, we've got to find out where the extremists are. They're hiding. So we've got to create this high-profile extremist group that look, that'll attract all these extremists, and nobody comes out of their holes. Well, well, we're just not being extremist enough. We have to make them more extremist. Well, how far do you want to go? Well, maybe we should have them carry out some kind of a terror attack to really embolden, to give, give, encourage the, uh, the ones that are hiding in the holes. But, well, you can keep going then. I mean, yeah. and you never need to have anybody in any holes. There are none. You create one yourself. And I don't believe at it for a second that that is, at, at the higher levels, that that is just, you know, naivety or stupidity or ignorance. These people are, I mean, you can get yourself a long way in understanding what's going on in the world today and the chaos and the, the terror attacks and all that kind of stuff when you well by, by simply uh, positing that an anti-terror government organization needs terrorism to exist to justify their ever-increasing budget they need increasing, that was explicitly said increasing by... levels of terrorism to justify their jobs yeah. and their big government budget so you just put it down to self-interest and you get a very long way that was explicitly I, said by, by a top U.S. I think he was a New York police chief. Right. Um, after retiring, you know, budgets. Just we budget. needed to keep it going. We needed. That's the, why we, we did we all those sting operations. Yeah. Right. Because they need a threat. Because they want to keep keep the money flowing, and the government wants the money to keep flowing from the taxpayers into the government, so then it can give it to these intelligence agencies. Um, and that's 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 not even talking about there being a conscious plot to kind of uh, divide and conquer the population, you know, to keep them divided against each other so that the, the overall rule of the establishment can be maintained. Because obviously, when there's trouble in society in general, 
you know, when there's when there's terror attacks, you need your intelligence agencies who fight terrorism, right? And and they get to keep their jobs and get extra budgets. But the government itself, the overarching government structure, is needed when society is in trouble, when there's chaos. Mm-hmm. But I, I want everybody to know why they need us, right? Right. And if they don't get it, then beat them, or have some ethnic strife going on, or, or not ethnic strife, but civil discord going on, so that people will remember why they need a strong government. Is it why po- they need to keep paying money for to, to tax money to us? Is it possible that these people are supremely wise and they've been doing all this, creating terrorism along the lines of what they call counterinsurgency when they go abroad? Mm. You, you create the phony opposition in order to justify your military presence there. I mean, are they, are they doing it? Is it a wisdom that's levels beyond we can comprehend? So in this situation, there's going to be actual chaos. And then they'll be needed because there's actual chaos. Mm-hmm. But actually, in the actual national widespread chaos, will they be totally useless because they won't actually know anything? Yeah, they, yeah they won't be able to do anything about it. And that's why and that's, that's, they're being thrown out in their ass mm-hmm. by large numbers of people the world over because even if they can't articulate all the things we've just said or see it as clearly or as, as viscerally, they know something has to change. Yeah. Because the, the wrong people, they're not adult-like. There's something well, pathologically wrong with them. Well, they're so, yeah, they're absolute. It's wishful thinking, and they're completely they're deluded effectively. But you know, crazy people can get quite far if they're if they're smart enough and they have a lot of power and resources and stuff. A crazy person can 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 go on for quite a long time. But I mean, in the in the aftermath of the terror attacks over the past few years in France, French government ministers and I think British government ministers were saying the same thing, uh, more or less that they said explicitly, you know, the people are just going to have to accept that terror attacks are now a part of reality. Which is exactly the wrong thing to say, you know, because it really, really pissed people off. Because, like, the attitude of the people is, well, what good are you then? Yeah, we want to hear that you're winning. <laughs> you're, meant, you're, meant, you're meant to be protecting us. That's the whole idea. That's why we invest you with the power of the people type thing and to make the decisions for us so that you can keep us safe from these big issue threats that are beyond our ability to control. When you actually come out and explicitly say, well, you know, this thing that I'm, that my, like, my only job description I'm not going to be able to fulfill that anymore. So it's like, well, you've just invalidated your own job, basically, or your own position. But yeah, they're they're stupid. Like, but they, I suppose they think that they can just keep uh, keep the people divided, keep people distracted. You know, I mean, it's it's a classic situation. And when I, when I say it's as old as time, I'm not joking. It's it's as old as time that idea of divide and conquer. You know, to keep the people distracted by infighting amongst themselves, uh, so that they don't bother the government. The government can stay. Uh, in, in in power, untouched, you know, un, untroubled by all the things that they should be troubled by, which is, you know, people's anger at their corruption and fecklessness. Uh, so, yeah, it's not it's not a mystery, basically, but, you know, and it's not, it's not a conspiracy theory either. It's just a, it's just a, a fact of life, you know, unfortunately. Yeah. There's one other one I wanted to mention, um, but it stands out again because it's so political and didn't fit with the war on terror mm-hmm. period that we're, I suppose, emerging from. Um, Scott, can you bring back up? Um, we've already shown this article. It's the one that um, MI5 sought immunity for. Excuse me, no, it's not that one. It's the other Guardian one. Yeah. 
just go up just, just look at this is the image they chose to show with that so obviously this is recent news this is from just last week announcing that hmm? policies, oh, that's joe, policies joe cox. Gonna, just joe cox hmm. so you remember her so it's just before the eve of the the referendum in out referendum uh, in the uk she was killed by a guy who supposedly shouted as he was shooting her three times and, and stabbing her. I don't know, did one hand have the knife, whatever. Um, Britain first, Britain first. Later at his trial, this guy's Thomas Mayer. Um, at his trial, he's supposed to have shouted, this is for Britain. Britain will always come first. He he had a history of mental issues like big time. And he was also, he was also a member of a member of one of these probably cardboard cutout Quintel Pro, Quinto Pro groups in the United States called National Alliance. I had never heard of them before, but anyway, no one probably ever heard of them until this incident happened. But it's just weird that it happens right on the eve. I mean, maybe it was meant to sway the result or something, but either way, it cast a shadow over. And it was supposed, I suppose, in the narrative making, it's supposed to be like nationalism bad, see? Mm -hmm. ergo EU and globalism good I suppose that's maybe the intended but it's so it, it jarred because it didn't fit it's supposed to be at this point 15 years later a muzzy mm -hmm. that's the only reason it works in the war on terror context but now you're saying it's a constituent of the MP a local doing it for Britain but that that's his that's his sound by political manifesto is for Britain dot 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 what what for Britain? What is your politics? He has none because that's all we were supposed to hear from right. it. Um, so yeah, it's it's growing on me that that uh, we're in we're transitioning now. I mean, there there are still terror um, things that are blamed on ISIS or lone wolf Muslims in the United States and in Britain and elsewhere. That that probably won't go away yet, but I think it is massively dried up because. Russia went into Syria and cleaned house. Mm -hmm. That's also not over yet, but substantially, which means all those one after the other news, news, um, nonstop barrage of ISIS has kidnapped and abducted all these. And remember the videos mm -hmm. cutting heads off, all that just dried right up. Because how could they be proliferating and doing all that if they're being bombed mm. from the air by Russian NIGs and yeah. Su 57? So, Oops, that's gone. And now we're transitioning into a kind of like, what if I imagined a deviant mind was thinking at the beginning? The war on terror they always wanted. Mm -hmm. It's the war on dissidents. And they, have a, they, have a, they still have a two-track. It's not quite sinking up into one perfect narrative. What do you mean by dissidents? Dissidents. What do they mean by dissidents? A anyone who doesn't agree with how they think things should be run. And what is that? Everything from fracking... Um, that was announced a few years ago when the Gen Secretary General of NATO, um, Rasmussen, literally said that all the anti-fracking protests and protest organizations in the United Kingdom and in the US, these last, whatever it had been, 10 years at that point, mm. as an environmental movement was being done by Russia to make us divided in on ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, dissent, anyone expressing anything that can be portrayed as, as nationalist and not globalist. Right. Anyone who suggests that the media might lie from time to time, 
freedom of the press. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone who says anything along the lines of America first, Britain first, country X first, that's that's bad, that's racist, that's xenophobic, it's yeah. not inclusive. Right, and they don't like people who talk about uh, Western values either. Right, Western or values, traditional values. Traditional Western values, whatever, because it's, it's uh, ethnically kind of uh, insular or closed, let's say. Um, and why don't they like that? Why do they not like nationalism? Because they thought they've reached the end of history where the earth is one national it's terrain. One, it's one big melting it's pot. One, it's one terrain. It's one nation. There's, something there's no more, borders. There's something more to it where they don't want, where they want... They don't want diversity. They are absolute... They, they want... Di- no, they hate. want... No, they oh, want, no, no, no. no they, they keep saying it. They want diversity. But actually, they're terrified of it. When there is an diverse idea emerging from Moscow about 10 years ago when Putin gets up and says, you know, maybe this unipolar idea no, is they, di- they want diversity as it's understood today, which is a leftist ideal, which is basically a mixing of all kind of races and creeds. And a, a yes, break, but a breaking all down. following the same monoculture. Right. There can be right. no diverse cultures where Russia takes its right. own independent development policy, right. where China takes its own develop, independent development policy, mm. which well, is why they call Xi Jinping a nationalist too. And that completely freaking jars because yeah. he's not white. They were always anti-fascist. They don't have a history of invading other people, mm. but you're somehow leaving it nebulously associated that he's also Hitler mm. because he's a nationalist. Right. It doesn't work and they know it. So they right. shut up after saying, you know, he's a bit of a nativist nationalist himself, dot, dot, dot. And they just leave it hanging in. He's the not allowed to think about the interests of China, basically. No. Very bad. It means, it means he's Hitler. Um, well, that's something I was saying to someone last night, actually, about the whole diversity thing. And it's a problem with these terms that we keep, keep having, with them, where they don't mean anything. They're just thrown around and they're completely divorced from their original or even dictionary meaning. Like, you know, they, people are using terms like uh, you know, nationalist or fascist or uh, diversity and stuff. And diverse, what do you mean by diversity? Is it a dictionary term or is it your own special term that has a special meaning for you when you meet it, when, when, you, when you use it? Like, like diversity doesn't make any sense. I mean, in, in terms of the way the lefties would kind of use it today. They want diversity, i.e. they're pro-immigration. They want diversity into America. They want lots of different, different more different uh, ethnicities and cultures and religions to come to America and to be tolerated and to be embraced into the American system because diversity. But what they don't seem to understand is that America is a monoculture. It's a consumerist monoculture. Um, and there is no diversity. If you take people from say India or some African country or the Middle East or anywhere with their actual cultural differences and religious differences and you bring them to America, they are very quickly subsumed into the American monoculture. You know, so diversity is gone. Mm-hmm. The only way you can have real diversity is have people standing up for their culture and their values and their religious beliefs, if any, and to keep them kind of as largely protected from other cultures. You know, you don't water them down. You don't establish a, a unifying culture that is some kind of a a, a, a blending of all of them into some kind of watered down. I mean, in today, and, and it's America who's promoting that. And, to, and what the culture that America promotes is basically Coca Cola, right? I mean, for the, it's it's a Coca Cola culture. That's not very diverse or interesting. What's interesting is the cultures or the religions in other countries where they are, where they grew. 
and they should be protected in those countries where they are so that people can go and have the exchanges, have cultural exchanges, have, you know, educational exchanges, whatever. But you don't bring everybody into a country like America is today and expect that you're going to maintain some kind of actual, real, you know, diversity of culture or religion. It's just going to be turned into Mickey Mouse culture. The thing is, when it's got to the point that they're going into a new country, when they're there, it's good and it's proper, and it's what happens anyway. It might take a generation, but it happens. The newly arrived should integrate with the new country, and they do. Right. Yeah, but they integrate and, and into a predominantly barely, white American, Western, Christian, capitalist culture. So what happened to Hinduism and what happened to socialism, or whatever, they, whatever differences that came from, that came from their country of, of origin, where are they going to go? You can't have them all at, you know, at the same time. One country needs one kind of system, essentially. You know what I mean? For people, it has to be, generally speaking, it should have one language to be effective. The Chinese have, would argue otherwise. They say one country, two system. Because they have actually a subsystem, a separate system, basically, for Hong Kong. Well, but that's because of the British. Yeah. But I don't think any country would naturally, any country, that, country with defined borders and a defined group of people in it, generally all end up speaking something approximating the same language and they have a shared culture so that they can all kind of understand each other and engage in business deals, have a business culture that's similar, that's all based on, you know, a, a certain type of of transaction that everybody can can trust and know how it's going to work. You have to have a, have to have a confidence that when you go and talk to someone or you go and do a business deal with them, that, that there aren't going to be radically different cultural norms that might influence your you know, that the way you do business with them. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you give the person money that they're actually going to give you what you paid, what you give them money for. Because maybe that's not the way their culture works. I mean, that, that, that no country can survive with, with radically different cultural or business or, you know, you can have different religions to some extent uh, in different parts of the country and stuff, but that very often is a cause of has been the cause of, of kind of uh, of conflict as well. I'm not saying it can't happen, but the idea that you can, it's just a ridiculously idealistic, nonsensical idea that by bringing other cultures into America that you're going to maintain those cultures inside America. You're not. It's like mm -hmm. dumping, it's like dumping some, let me see, it'd be like drop, like in the case of Mexicans, for example, or South Americans coming to America, but like putting one drop of Tabasco sauce into a vat of Coca-Cola. <laughs> it would spoil the whole lot. It wouldn't spoil it. No, you wouldn't notice it. You wouldn't notice it at all. It's, it's so gone. Empowering. It's been. It's been. It's been subsumed. Where's the diversity in that? It's, yeah. still, it's just Coca-Cola. Can't even taste it. Tabasco sauce. I know uh, Tabasco sauce probably isn't even Mexican, but, you know. Well, it, I think it is, is it, Scotty? I don't know. I don't know. It's on there somewhere on the label. Somebody look it up. Uh, anyway, it was just an example of what, I, what I'm trying to say. It was an analogy. Um, so, yeah, diversity is nonsense the way these people uh, present it today. And I think there's nothing wrong. And they don't the proper, proper diversity is specific cultural groups and religious or whatever you define by the, the, their culture, whatever makes them distinct should be maintained, if it has value, I suppose, maintain it in the place where it developed. And then you can have all sorts of cross-cultural meetings and links and visits and experiences. That's the way the world worked for most of 
for a lot of uh, a lot of history. But dumping everybody into one country and mixing it all together. Uh, that's that's what's happened in America, and you know, we still have a dominant uh, kind of capitalist Christian kind of culture, right? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, most most black people, like I mean, look at blacks in America who came, you know, from a few hundred years ago, whatever, came from originally from Africa into the Caribbean, then into America, or you know, in slave trade and all that kind of stuff. They didn't I mean. Did, I, did any of them maintain their original African uh, religion? Cultural habits. There have been various ways. After hundred or two hundred years, it's gone. There have been a modern, postmodern attempts to sort of revivify it, but is it, that's it's only based on what they've read in books. There's what, no, there is no cultural connection. As an example, little. as an example, look what happened to nine eleven hijackers. Do you remember mm-hmm. Muhammad Adda? What they were doing the night before? Yeah, yeah. But they were Muslim, right? They were devout Muslims, supposedly, right? Because they had to be to engage in this kind of jihad against uh, American and carry out the nine eleven attacks. Yeah. Muhammad Adda came. He was only there for a couple of weeks, and he was down the strip bar eating pork and snorting cocaine. Yeah. All three things that are, are totally against his original Islamic culture. That's the effect of America. <laughs> Two weeks and you're done. Like it's gone. Your culture's gone. <laughs> that was a slam dunk right there. <laughs> Well, that was a mic drop moment. I can't drop this mic though. Stuck, no. Stuck to an arm. Um, we should probably wrap it up. Yeah. Before we say anything controversial. We already did. Um, we already did, which is talking sense, which is controversial. It's, it's very exactly, controversial. You're not allowed to. Well, this is going to be, this is the silver lining in all this, okay? It's become, they're becoming, in a way, they're becoming more honest with where they want to go with this, which is that just Speaking common sense is now going to be a criminal activity. Yeah. So we'll no longer have the confusion, like, for example, where Lauren Southern went to the UK to give a talk, but was detained at the border and prevented then from going in and giving her talk under terrorism charges that she was totally bamboozled by because it's like, but that law was set up for fighting terrorists, like Muslim terrorists. What's that got to do with me? And now, thankfully, thankfully, in quotes, policy is shifting where it's much more clear cut. No, you're the terrorist in the eyes of the powers that be mm-hmm. because you're a dissident. Right. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see where it goes, if it goes anywhere. They're making a good attempt at it, obviously, right now to uh, to really impose this bizarre, ridiculous, counterintuitive, you know, uh, illogical... Mm. view or worldview on people, you know, and force people to, to accept it and agree it and say, oh yeah, that makes sense because, I mean, it really doesn't make sense anymore. And the only thing stopping some people from realizing it doesn't make sense is they're not really thinking about it enough, you know. Just follow it through, you know. People are too too fond of, uh, you know, simplistic black and white thinking, you know, because thinking's hard and I prefer to just go with the, with the catchphrase, you know, and join a cause, you know. Bad idea. Look at history. It's a bad idea when you join a cause, you know, uh, unthinkingly, especially one that's, you know, catches on like wildfire. Bad idea. If it's not a slow, long-term kind of cause that has been in the background, has been growing for a long time and has a lot of evidence, you know, really fundamental reasons, what good reasons why you should join a cause. If it's not that, if it just comes out of nowhere and suddenly you find yourself caught up in it, you're probably, probably making a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. So don't make mistakes. Think about things. Try try to, try to falsify yourself anything you find yourself believing. Yeah, because really give it a rigorous, honest. 
try to see it from another perspective and go, what's really here? And you'll find that most of it's dross. Yeah. So Take it as given that you generally don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, it works for me. Anyway, uh, thanks for... Well, yeah, we're going to end it here. Thanks for uh, watching, listening, whatever. Um, if you like the video, click uh, like it or something and uh, subscribe. Um, we'll be back next week with one more show on another topic. Until then, have a good day. See you next week. Bye-bye.